everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. If you want to burn some calories while working, then jump to conclusions, push your luck, and dodge deadlines. My name is Matt, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? I am feeling great because uh, Sam just finished a gosh. A goza? Goza. Yeah, it'll be a word that you never pronounce, right? I'll, I'm, I'll accept that. Okay. I mean, I, I really like, don't like pronounce H, anything it's like, it's right. It's like Ahrefs. Ahrefs <laughs> right. forever. Or secretary. Secretary? <laughs> no, you don't. You don't think no, secretary. I know. It's, like, it's a fight that I have with Laura all the time. It's okay. how I pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm drinking Dragon's Milk White, which is a bourbon barrel-aged white stout. And oh. it is smooth, creamy, and legendary. And I would say that all three are true. What? Who makes it? Um, God, now you're asking the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> um, Holland, Michigan. Yeah, oh, no, it's it brewed Holland. in Holland, Michigan. It's NewHollandBrew.com. New Holland, yeah, I figured it was. Mm. All right. So they do dragon's milk. Mm. So it's, yeah. It's um, white, white stouts you don't see very often. I've never seen or tasted one before. Yeah, it's basically uh, a stout that is... It's like a summer um, stout it's not, almost. It's, yeah, it's not really a stout. It's it's a ale or like a um a light ale brewed with coffee and chocolate. So it kind of has like a the roastiness and the chocolatiness of a stout without actually using roasted grains to, to change the color. Like you know that like back of the tongue taste of AW root beer or the, the yeah. cream soda one. It's yep. got like a bit of that. It's just so good. Maybe it's maybe it's got a little bit of lactose in it. Yeah. Which is milk sugar. Yeah. Good. It could. For sure. Damn right. It's good. Um, I am drinking my own shit. That's, no, that's I mean, what like it's called? Beer. Shit? No, it's called. Uh, I don't have a name for it. It's, it's a Kolsch. It, it, it came out a lot lighter than I wanted to. It's only a 4% Kolsch. Mm. But it's clean. And it's drinking well. And it's carbonated. So What version is this? This is the third version of it. But I got a new system to brew on. So I don't really have it dialed in yet. Uh, so okay. and I changed the recipe slightly, and I kind of messed. I I added less grain, so it's just like a lot a lot lighter in alcohol. Mm. But I figured session. See, I would have thought that was day. like a yeast or a sugar thing. No, I mean it can be. It can be a. I mean it's a sugar thing for sure. I guess it grain can be has a, sugar in it. Is that the a grain can is converted into sugar? Uh, okay, through the mashing process. Yeah. Hmm. It's good. It tastes good. It's just really light. It's a really, really light beer. I'm just waiting to be anyway. shipped to keg. I mean, you obviously I'm, have to come here <laughs> set up the kegerator. Yeah. Well, I'll do that. And um, I'm I'm thinking about buying a canner, so I might be able to ship cans. Ooh. We're uh, working on it. I don't <laughs> want to spend all that. It's, it's like $800 canner, and mm. I don't know if it's worth doing or if I'm actually going to end up using it. So uh we'll see if somebody will send it to me for free <laughs> we'll see <laughs> probably not though so our catchphrase today comes from brian via email thank you brian it's actually a really good catchphrase yeah you jump to if you want to burn calories while, while working jump to conclusions push your luck dodge deadlines i like it that's gonna be very Clever. nimble Clever, Brian. Thank you. All right. Today, we're doing five questions. Also, we need catchphrases, by the way. Please. Please. Andrew is literally on his knees, mm. begging. His, his hands are folded. I have, I have a boo. You don't mic, have to do that. So no one can see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one can see you. Get up. Damn it. 
All right. So today we're doing five questions. And the first question is all about buying a car. And it's from Kelly. And she says, I have a question for saving for a car. You have a rule of saving at at least 20% before buying a house to avoid the PMI. Is there any similar rule of how much to save for a car? Should I try to save the full cost of the car before I go buy one so that I can avoid taking out a loan? Or does it make more sense to invest some of that money and use a loan to finance the rest? So, well, Matt Givanese, <laughs> <laughs> having listened to the time value of money episode, yeah. what would you say? I would say that you should definitely take out a loan. And I think car loans are really interesting because they have pretty low interest. Mm. They're really low interest. Yeah. And you should take that money that you're saving and put it towards something that will actually make you money as opposed to losing you a ton of money, which is actually buying a car. So I absolutely agree. I have a few mm -hmm. things to kind of frame it. So um, <clears throat> if you go to Wikipedia and you uh, or you Google depreciation uh -huh. or depreciation space Wikipedia, you're going to yep. get this uh, beautiful picture um, which is basically a of Andrew's face giving you a, a down thumb. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no car for you. No, no. <laughs> it's it's a depreciation bad. <laughs> it's a graph of the depreciate the average depreciation of a car, and uh -huh. um, on average, uh, in the first year, you're going to lose fifteen percent of the value of the car. So. So on the car that's thirty thousand dollars, that means like you after the first year you just lose four and a half thousand dollars. So right. already, if you just bought, if you're in, we're in twenty nineteen right now, if you bought twenty eighteen's mm -hmm. version of that same mm -hmm. car, you'll literally save yourself <laughs> four and a half thousand dollars. And wow. I'm going to tell you that they're basically the same car. I mean, maybe the right. seat the seat has a warmer on it or something. I don't know. Yeah. So one that, two. You should definitely listen to the episode we just did on time value of money. But back-to-back uh, -back leases are going to be far, like two back-to-back three-year leases. I don't care what car uh -huh. you're buying. Um, will be almost certainly more effective than just flat-out buying a six-year loan. Right. And a six-year loan. Right. Yes. Right. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll go about, do the, do the one example of, you know, you have an $18,000 car, right? Mm -hmm. And they say to you, um, we will give you, if you're going to buy this car in cash, we'll give it to you for $16,000. So you're like, okay, great. This is a great example. Then, Where'd you come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> it's totally off the top of my head. The second example is they give you a 0% interest loan uh, for this, for, but, but you pay the full amount. You pay 18000 Which one do you take? And the, and the answer uh, is answer B because- You pay more up, for the car. You don't take the $2,000 discount. Right. You because it's- Right, because a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow, and you could be taking that money that you have today, that that sixteen thousand dollars that you would have put down, and put it into the stock market, which you'll make money instead of you'll make six to seven percent instead of losing fifteen percent in the first year. So finally, I have one last point. There is okay. a reason why we're doing these two back to back three year leases and whatever. Um, so Uber, Lyft, Google, Apple, Tesla, and Ford are all separately working on their own self-driving car things. Mm -hmm. Car industry experts that we did in an episode, I want to say last year, maybe it was the beginning of this year. Um, basically, the consensus of like, you know, GM, CEO, Ford, blah, blah, blah. They think uh, humans will be driving as many miles as machines in 2025. 
So that's about five to six years from now. Okay. So self-driving cars will be a serious thing then. Um, yep. I mean, we're talking about massive corporations spending tens of billions of dollars on this. Figuring out this problem. Right. Yeah. Which will suss itself out in about five to six years. And if I were you, yeah, I would do two back-to-back three-year leases on a car and put my money behind all of the companies that you love that they're going to make it damn cheap to have transportation as a service. So don't yep. buy it, please. Do not buy the car outright with um, with money, with your cash. Not to mention that it is literally cheaper to lease it for two, three-year things than to own it outright for a six-year thing. And I'm all about that lease right now, baby. I'm all about it. Boom. It's a utility. Think about your car as a utility, not a toy. That's right. If you can. I mean, if it's a toy and you think that way, different scenario. If you just want a really cool toy... You want to own it and you want to work on it and fix it. Totally different scenario than just like buying a car to get you from point A to point B and look good in it. You know, that's again, it's your, I, you rent, you rent, you know, I, I rent things now. Hmm. It's like it's fleeting anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I hope that helps Kelly. I appreciate the question. Super listen to the Ooh. previous episode. Will be helpful. Yeah, please. Uh, all right. So moving on to question number two from Amanda. Amanda, I don't know. <laughs> oh I'm God. sure you've heard that yeah. a million times, Amanda. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to. I know. We're not in second grade anymore. So sorry. Uh, what's, wait, what's the name of that movie? Uh, I can't think Something of Something about oh my God. Mary Amanda. No. no. Oh, my God. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Where she was the cleaning Oh, lady? my God. It's driving me nuts, dude. Seth Green. Jesus Christ. Why can't I think of it? Uh, you, you are the king of all references. On, so I'm man. pretty disappointed. I am... I you know I've had used two to beers. be the king of all references, but I I uh, can't hardly wait. Great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozle. All right, moving on to Amanda's question: What are the pros and cons of using Fundrise to invest in real estate? And Fundrise, Fundrise. Mm. At what step in your financial goal should you consider using it? Uh, example, invest in a 401k first, general market investing slash betterment second, etc. Is it more useful for long-term versus short-term investing? Also, how does it stand up to the other user-friendly investment companies like Betterment? Mm. I took this as like a deeply existential crisis on all the decisions that I've made. Did a whole bunch of yeah. math. Super sorry, Laura, for having to hear it this morning and okay. again while you're editing. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Um, All right, give it give it to me straight, Doc. It's long term because it's not uh, liquid. I mean, okay. it is it is co- liquid quarterly, but it's not like the stock market. Um, or Betterment, right? Betterment, where you can literally sell liquid. it tomorrow and transfer right. your account into I don't know less than three business days. Yeah. Um. So I I checked it out and Malora and Mize assets. If you exclude properties, rental properties, and businesses. So basically, just invested things and broad services. About fifteen percent of our assets are fundrise. Okay. So fifteen percent uh, when you exclude property, rental property, businesses. Yes. And that that means about eighty five percent is like in the general market, bond stocks. Yeah. Okay. Blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is maybe a. I think if you sat between 10 and 15% of your total investable money in something like Fundrise, I think that makes sense 
broadly okay. you should be in the stock market. Um, mm-hmm. It is a great diversification into real estate. They perform incredibly well. I love their approach, um, but I wouldn't put it above something like Betterment. It is a in tandem. Would you consider Fundrise to be like where you would invest fund money? Like money that like you're kind of okay losing? Yes. Um, Even though it's maybe a little bit more stable than like gambling, obviously. So Laura but, asked me this morning if she if if I thought it was like riskier than yeah. Betterment. And you know, I don't want to be uh, predicting of the future, although we do even still do it to a degree. I, uh-huh. I actually, in my gut, kind of feel like it is less, but you know, it is uh, you're investing in one company's methodology, deal making, yeah. and I can super get behind it. But at the end of the day, the smart money goes to the broad stock market. That yeah. said, I think people kind of know how I feel. And these days, uh, we are investing two times as much into Fundrise as we are into the market. Um, and what we are investing to the markets, basically the golden butterfly. And yeah. so that is essentially like taking your Betterment account and setting it to 40-60. 40% stock, 60% bonds. So Okay. So as far as in the hierarchy of things that you should do first, obviously 401k, general stock market investment, investing, betterment, and then Fundrise kind of third. Yeah. So you have to kind of check all those other boxes, yeah. you know, and if, if you're excited, you could definitely get in there and do it. But- and I, would, I, would even add, I would even add to that like 401k plus an IRA, then betterment. Then well, an IRA is like a, a container, a retirement account. You, sure. you could have Fundrise in an IRA, you could have Betterment in, in an IRA. Okay, but yes, you should certainly max your IRA. Yeah, yeah. Do you think I should get into Fundrise? I mean, personally, me talking to mm-hmm. you, I, I absolutely think so. Um, based on my feelings on where things are going, uh. I feel like if the stock market tanks, the stock market is not the real estate market, one, and Fundrise's strategy is not based on like fix and flips or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, they're dealing with like large scale developers that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And right. so I think um, largely they will be not impacted. And that That is my gambit. All right. Well, I hope that answers your question, Amanda. What do you think? You think you got it? <laughs> I was like so excited to answer that one. Yeah. Good. Woo. All right. Moving on to Jason's question. Question number three. Mm. Uh, hey, guys, listening to the show this weekend and heard the 4% retirement rule comes up a lot. I also hear you say it might be 3.5%. Some say it's 4.5%. I had run across two articles recently that say it might be much higher depending on your time frame. Would love for you guys to summarize your thoughts and planning behind the rule on an upcoming episode. Well, how about we do it on this Ooh, motherfucking I, episode? I like that. All right. <laughs> so, so where do we where do we stand with the four percent rule? Where are we Where are we at? Well, first, I want to be clear that lower is more conservative and higher is yes. more aggressive. So, and I I tend to kind of lean more conservative when right. it comes to so if you think things business. are going to work out poorly you'd subscribe to the three percent rule if you yeah. think everything is just about to blow up and be awesome you'd subscribe to the five percent rule 
Right. So pessimistic okay. lower numbers, kind of like <laughs> right. And and us East Coast brains are pessimistic to the max. To all hell. Yeah. Right. The only, the only other thing that we have is anger, just pessimism yeah. and anger. But here's the thing: you can you can we can just call it the three to five percent rule. Can we just call it that? Yeah. All right. And I've been talking a lot about this idea. Mm-hmm. I've been talking a lot about fire recently, and I think it's really interesting. Regardless of the percentage, like the percentage is not even important mm. in this. I mean, I'm, I mean, but we'll get to uh, it. But go on. Well, it's 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 a part of the conversation. But like, I don't even, I don't care if it's three percent. I don't care if it's five percent. There's just one thing to think about here. I and and maybe and correct me if I'm if you think I'm like speaking out of out of school here. But we're not in school, so you are. <laughs> we're not in school. school. But, but go on. Four percent doesn't matter if the market. If if what you put in is gone, mm-hmm. now I'm not trying to be dire or or a pessimist here in this scenario, but let's think of it this way. 2008 sparked this revolution of fire, right? right. It's, it sparked this like, hey, let's and, and, and I think you had said it at one point that the term fire or the acronym for fire is really just an acronym to say be better with money, yeah. <laughs> right? It's just like be smarter with money. That's the, that's really the movement, but we needed a fucking cool name mm. to, to be like, we're not financial nerds. We're fire. Yeah. Not not the festival right? fire. Fire not fire. Not the festival. Yeah, not with a Y. Yeah, Come on, but, those guys are assholes. But definitely watch that at Hulu. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, both. But, so we so so what's interesting is, let's say you started fire in 2008. Mm-hmm. And for the, for the last, you know, nine years. Green pastures. Ten years. You've been fucking killing yeah. it. And if you can retire today and take 4%, great for you. You got a million dollars in the bank. You're taking a $40,000 a year at a 4% rule. Mm. Hell, you're taking $35,000 a year at a 3.5% rule. Hell, you're taking $50,000 at a 5% rule. Whatever. We have a recession in 2020. Mm. Let's just say. How much fucking percentages are you taking? Well, what if when your money's cut in goes- half. That 4% right. rule is now $20,000. <laughs> exactly. That 5% rule I don't want to count $30,000. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. What it's what it's not is a 6 to 7% rule. Mm. Because at that point, you're just taking all your earnings. You're just taking all your, your investment money. And so the idea right? with the 4% rule is it's the amount of money that you can withdraw to sustain your income like into infinity with right. a 95% certainty. As of 1998, when it was created, and while your money still grows, like your money will still grow, and you will be able to take income. Mm. Right. That is why four percent makes sense. Now, in a boom market, it might go to four point five percent because guess what? the The average return in the market might be up to eight, nine, ten percent. Who knows? Right. And then everyone's going to be screaming, "Dude, why not take forty five thousand dollars a year at a million dollars a pop?" Yeah, because hell, fucking the economy is doing great, mm. and then as soon as we have a recession, they're gonna be like, now it's the two percent rule, <laughs> now it's the one percent rule. It's like it's it's really dependent on where we are that, in the market. That that cuts to the core of it. One, yeah. it's a rule of thumb. We could talk about the one percent right. rule with rental properties, and you may right. not get that, or you may do better yeah. than that, or I don't know, whatever, or right. the rule of seventy two, or all these like rule of thumb, quick math, rule of thumb. Obviously, mileage may vary. Yep. Two, we cannot predict the future. 
You nope. cannot predict the future. And if you can, email Call us, us. <laughs> and you're hired. <laughs> yeah, email us. 21st yeah. century, Mac. Future on. predictors start at $1,000 an hour. <laughs> Nostradamus, if you're listening. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, email us or use your telepathic energy to let us know. And, and to the core of what you said, um, you need to apply the right logic to the scenario. So in the great green pasture years of, you know, things are blowing up, you probably need to take 3%. And in the, you know, the year, if you had to pull from your retirement and shit sucked, you may even still want to take 3% because right. you've, your money halved. And the, the thing is, or, or rather... You could take more when times are good and less when times are bad, and you could yeah. calculate it. And honestly, it's not that crazy of a calculation, but there are also tools that will just tell you. And so, right. for example, Betterment helps you plan the upswing, planning for retirement. Mm-hmm. And if you have money in Betterment, when it's when you like literally flip a toggle, like I'm retired, they help you tell, like they help tell you what you could withdraw each month. They can even right. just do it automatically for you, so that. Yep. And unlike, you know, you tell them how long it needs to last and whatever. So it's a rule of thumb and it depends. Listenmoneymatters.com slash betterment. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, yeah, don't get too hung up on the the number. Mm. It's a it's a number that you can take out safely while still growing. If you have enough money to to want to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, um, again, I wouldn't retire based on I hit the four percent exactly. I think it's like you're hitting the ballpark of and right. If you're you're in the you're in the frame, yeah. Right. And like, but if you're super interested in like running Monte Carlo simulations on this across whatever to the nth degree, four percent rule dot com, super awesome calculator. Uh, we'll literally do that for you. And you could spend hours on it. Um, cool. Yeah. So, Jason, I hope that answers your question, or at least sort of clarifies how we where we stand as a show on the four percent rule. Mm. I don't know if we <laughs> we it's a three to five percent rule. Mm. I think is where we've landed. Maybe. Yeah, I would agree. Great. Okay. We're gonna take a break, but after the break, we're gonna we got sh- good questions. We got good questions. All right, we're coming back. We'll be right back. All right, moving on to question number four from Jim. Jim, Jim, Jim. Okay, here we go. Uh, my wife. <laughs> Sorry. I, I kind of hoped you were going to do that. No, thank you so much. So my wife and I currently live in a neighborhood in southwest Denver. We just had a baby and decided that we need some family help. That said, we're planning to move back east next March. Our dilemma is this. On one hand, we believe we could sell the house and pocket a decent chunk of change, maybe in the sixty to $80,000 range, depending on how the market is next spring. On the other hand, we are very much interested in renting the house. Rentals in our area for the size home that we have is roughly $2,000 per month. Our mortgage is currently sitting at $1,725 per month, so $1,725 per month. However, if we decide to rent it out, We're considering doing a refi as our rate is 4.875 and we could get that down to roughly 4% with about an 18 months to recoup uh, based on the savings. So basically uh, 18 months to recoup the, I guess the, um, 
refinance the closing costs and stuff yeah so we don't need the cash to purchase another home as we're just going back and we're going to be moving back into the rental that we have in delaware okay while we wouldn't be making a killing quote unquote um trying to look at a house as a passive income stream it's in a decent neighborhood the house was renovated before we moved in lots of people are moving to denver as i've mentioned i currently have a rental so i don't have so i So I do have an idea of what it takes to manage one of these things. So do we sell and take the cash and invest elsewhere? Or do we rent this thing out and turn it into a passive income stream? P.S. Matt, my buddy JP was telling me you guys work together. Small world. (laughs) Yes, I do know JP. (laughs) Yes. I'm actually going to go see him tonight. As a matter of fact, I'm going to Denver tonight. Um, So. This is a very awesome question because it's so specific and the numbers are here for us to work with. Mm. And I'm going to defer this to you because I feel like here's here. I will, I will add one thing to this. Denver is hot. It is. Denver is a fucking hot ass market right now. So, and I know that from just talking to people in the area, I live here roughly. So I want to just say that out loud. And then I want you to, Give me your thoughts. Okay. So I put this in the frame of reference of Laura and I's rental properties. And mm-hmm. specifically, um, we did an episode kind of like recapping what what like what we've earned in the two and a half mm-hmm. years. And now it's more, but I didn't feel like doing the math again. So I'm just going to use the math from that one. On average, in a month, we will earn about $1,000 a month give or take, depending on whatever, in cash from profit after yes. all expenses. Yep. Take take that as it is, okay. right? But when I calculated the entirety of the value of these investments, that includes appreciation and essentially someone paying our mortgage and us gaining equity into the property as a result of that, we actually wound up earning about $3,800 a month on average. Okay. And I hear what you're getting. And so the cash on cash is like the way I I view it is like the tip of the iceberg. It is at least in our case, one fourth of the actual value that we're getting from the property Mm -hmm. because the rest is kind of like sight unseen until you sell it or you get, you refinance it with like a, a burr strategy type thing. Yep. And so, one, I think, uh, from our limited experience, we have three properties. We're not like landlord moguls or anything. Sure, sure. It is an, It has been an incredible investment for us. You also okay. have experience renting and doing that thing across, on the other side of the U.S. You know the property manager deal, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I think you should definitely do it. I also just want to say, like, even if you were your expenses were seventeen fifty. And you're going to yeah, make you're saying definitely do it, meaning rent it. Right. But I'm saying like, let's say your okay. profit was only $250 a month without the refinance, right? I yeah, think sure. it is super worth it. And the reason I think so is because you, Matt included, me and you both have built massive passive income stream empires, essentially off the back of $200 a month increments. The things that we have created 
you know, whether it's a single episode on a podcast or a SaaS thing or this or that, these are all small numbers that over mm -hmm. time and with persistence add up into large numbers. And the only way you get to $20,000 a month in passive income is by taking the $250 a month and then when you're able to, in a year or two, right. adding another 250, it'll eventually accelerate and you're adding it quicker, but you got to start. Yeah. Um, and so it is only 250, but it's also 250. Like it is worth it. It is. But now that's not considering what it costs to turn over a property mm. each time you get a new tenant. That's not including the property manager cost. That's not including the... Um, any sort of like vacancies, so the, late the one payments. to four ex example that I gave was including all the costs. Like, okay, we over two and a half years we profited about one hundred twenty thousand on it. So, but cash, but cash, but cash flow is important in this scenario. Yes, for sure. And, you can't and, be negative and, cash flow. That's how you sink. Exactly. So I think two hundred and fifty dollars, which is basically well, it's actually what seventeen twenty five. It would be what two seventy five. Um, he, I, I think, um, the refinance is interesting. Mm. I, I think it might be worth refinancing in this oh, case. Oh, for sure. Only to what, only to widen the margin of error. I super like, agree. If you're, yeah, if you're making, if you, if you think you can get $2,000 per month and I think, and I, it, only knowing that the, I know the Denver market's hot, you pr can probably get more than that mm. just because if you just. If you do some like really minor upgrades to the house, maybe before you leave or like just, you know, small things, you might be able to get a little bit more. Interview a but few I think property managers and see what they think it'll go for. They know yeah, better than right. Zillow. True. So I think that one, you can probably make more than, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. Mm. And I think you need, to, any, you need to do anything in your power to widen that as much as possible. Right. You need to widen. You need to get more cash flow coming in. The refinance one, I would look at a streamline. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you can get down to four percent without actually coming to the table with any closing costs. That, that might be worth an it. Excellent point. Talk talk to your uh, current bank; they might be able to do it. As opposed uh, to losing you, you know, as a customer. Yeah, as opposed yeah, as opposed to like you shopping around, right? Um, and that way, you're not putting any cash up front. But yes, I think ultimately. Re looking at a different refinancing option, uh, you know, actually, that's what I'm currently doing. Mm. I just got this letter in the mail. I don't know if I should share this or not. Yeah, but why not? I'm sitting, I'm sitting on it. Okay, just well, don't give the address because I'm, I'm reading my mail out loud. <laughs> so this is from Dear my Matt bank. GIO Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a valued customer, uh, so this letter I'm sitting on it because. We had an we did an episode recently where we talked about I think my property. I didn't think we do a lot of episodes where we talk about me and my woes of my property. Um, but I think you met. I think you said, "Dude, refinance." Mm. Like it makes sense to refinance in your scenario. We, we ran the is, numbers, and you know. yeah, this is from my own bank, mm. and they're pretty much offering me um, some cash. $27,785 um, to refinance. And they, they say it, I could, so what they say is, let me, let me just read this to you. And I don't, and again, this is a sales letter, so it's not like 
definitive, but they say, you may be one of our customers who can benefit by managing the equity that has grown in your home. Our analysts of your current mortgage shows that you may be eligible to refinance and get up to $27,785 with an asterisk to consolidate bills, set aside for emergency, or pay for something on your wish list. And they're just trying to get me to go, I could have $27,000 right now. Oh my God. And all I'm thinking by looking at this max of 2006. Oh, it's a hundred percent. But what I'm looking at is, well, if I can lower my mortgage by $27,785, that's going to lower my monthly payment by a lot. And it's going to, well, okay. So I don't even know half of the numbers, but if you're getting cash out, it will likely imply that you're, payment will stay the same or go up and you'll lose what if i put what but what if i apply that exact money that i got right into the mortgage so in that case you would essentially be doing a streamline yep and so in that case i think it would make sense because no closing again based on the previous episode and you know just these interest rates we're we're really Mm -hmm. not talking about a lot of money difference no um but uh, but on this yes. specific example, I definitely think that you should refinance it. You'll increase the gap, which will reduce yep. your risk for renting. Mm-hmm. So if shit goes whatever, you have breathing room. And it's clear that you know how to do this. Yeah. You have that place in Delaware. It's your like, first rodeo. awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like I, th- I feel like I could do this again as much as it has stressed me out. But now that I have a property manager and things are working and I understand, I've gone through so many trial and error periods with my condo that I feel like I finally understand how the shit works. Mm. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you have to kind of like get a, you know, you have to set boundaries yeah. as a, as a, as a person who like accepts tenants just, just from what the area, like you learn those th- sort of things by trial and error. And if you have a nice house, you could price up in the market, you right. know, there, yeah. And people. there's just like, and there's little minor upgrades you can make in order to increase the the rent. And so, yeah, I think, Jim, the long term play, long term play, man, like certainly rent this thing out. I think Denver is on a giant upswing. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's again, that's advice. I'm not I, I here's what I don't know. And you don't know either. Mm. Andrew, we don't know where the fuck the market's going. No. But in the long term, you know, obviously, maybe in five years it tanks. I don't know. But Enough. I don't make any decisions based on five years. But you know what? When the market tanks, everyone's going to be renting, baby. That's right. <laughs> everyone's going to be renting. So, and, but the, also, I, I just think Laura and I's yeah. rental properties in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. You know, your yeah. your mileage may be far better than ours if Denver sure. remains hot, which it seems. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. So, Jim, thank you. I'll say hi to JP. I don't know Jim's last name, but maybe we can get it off air um, so I can tell him that I know JP. Mm. Or I could just tell him that exact story tonight, and he'll be like, oh. <clears throat> Jim. <laughs> Got it. I know Jim. All right. So thanks, man. Uh, all right. Final question. Unless we want to do a sixth question because we have it. Do, we do have one. We'll see how you feel. Okay. Um, this one's from Elizabeth. For our family, the biggest challenge is wading through immense student loan debt and managing that with a toddler. My husband is a veterinarian and I work in clean energy. So we both make good salaries, but we still pay a large amount of our post-tax income to student loan debt and childcare, a minimum of 
$3,700 a month. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. Are there any tips? Oh my God. Are there any tips on how to stay positive and motivated on the long journey towards financial financial stability? We are doing well and celebrate small wins, but paying off debt is way less exciting than saving for a rental property. <laughs> That's, she added ha Oh, I was like, why are you uh, laughing okay. at her? Ha 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 Sorry, it doesn't... <laughs> no, that was a really but good I, sound I, bite. I, we'll, we'll play that. <laughs> oh, okay. Great, great. Thank you. Um, we hope to be a student. We hope to be student loan debt free in five to seven years. So it would be great to hear about ways to stay on track and make the experience a positive one versus feeling like a slog. Mm. This is the greatest question of all time. Yes, it is. It is the culmination of like pretty much everything. And I, I don't know about you. Thank you, Elizabeth. All right. Then you go because I feel like I can just riff off of what you're going to say because I I again this is so oh, excellent okay one because you feel this way uh, and you're you're like already thinking about your finances so you're going to be like super fine you're listening yeah. to the show and not that like because you listen to this show you're going to be fine but because you're like actively thinking about your money and you're trying to make the right decision you're going to be fine so you can chill you know out. you're a genius yeah yes and uh. You've already crossed the biggest hurdle, which is like caring about the outcome, right? And making like right. small incremental smart decisions. That said, um, mm. I, I kind of like reflected on my own life in thinking about this. And I've had like so many goals, you know, whether yeah. it was like to hit a hundred thousand dollars in net worth or make a hundred thousand dollars a year, or for like Laura and I to get a home that we owned and we lived in, or to build a business or to like work on the business full time, you know, all awesome things that are like on the path. And, uh, it turns out that like none of it changed anything. Like Hmm. they're all just like these milestones Milestones. in the journey and the goalposts move. And so you hit a hundred thousand and it's not like, Oh my God, I finally achieved success. Like, let me call my mom. And you may call your mom, but the thing is, well before you hit that, your mind is already on the next milestone. So when you hit 100,000, you kind of just like, woo, yeah, all right, I'm just have a beer. And then you're done. Right. And so. And, they, and, they, and, they, and she mentions they celebrate small wins, which is. It. That's it. Cert- that is it. It doesn't I get think- better. It doesn't change. <laughs> you know? Like, and I think you have yeah. to be kind of happy now right and it's like you have to appreciate that you're on the right path where you're trying to as much as possible be on the right path and then just like look elsewhere because i'll tell you what if like you were to fast forward 10 whatever years pay off all your student loan debt and you're worth like a million dollars you might even just be a crabbier person because you're going to be older (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be like i don't know life is gonna make you salty so it doesn't yeah. it doesn't really do anything yeah um to kind of build off of that i would say that like there are rich sad people mm, in yes. the world and there are happy poor people right um and perhaps more of the latter <laughs> than the, the former more of the no, the former right um one, I agree with that. What you said is like you are actively thinking about it now, and so therefore you are fine. You will make the right decisions in the future. You're you're going to make the right decisions now. 
You are just that type of person that is going to make good financial decisions. And I, and again, you are listening to this podcast. So it's like, it's baked in your ear. Uh, when I, to be fair, when I, um, was doing this podcast back in the day when I was, when we, when we, when you and I actually started this podcast, I was extremely great with money at that point. Like I had learned so much from doing the podcast. I was actively thinking about money every week because we were doing this every week. We were doing seven days a week. So I was always thinking about money. Then we broke up and I, and I, not that I was shitty with money during those three years, but not as good as I am now today being back on the podcast for the last year. I am better. And the reason for that is because it is front of mind more than it is back of mind. I thought it was because you got to look at my face. No, oh, well, of course. Your face <laughs> saves me money. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> your face your face earns me a 7% return on my investment. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> but but I think one that I the 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 just to point out some numbers here. $3700 in student loan debt and child care. One, you are paying for your child care. That's worth money. Two, you both have really good jobs, and that is the cost of having those really good jobs, mm. right? I Again, being able loans, to fund that education with no money, right? Right. Student loans are a, you know, they have all of the problems associated with it. I I am glad that I didn't have them, but uh, I know a lot of people You'd have who to have, have gone them. to college to have them. <laughs> I've had to have gone to, yeah. <laughs> Just putting you, that out there. I know a lot of people who have them who have paid them off um, in, in who have paid them off. But this is a Five best case scenario because they're having high earning jobs as the result of their degree, yeah. not like a degree yeah. in basket weaving. Exactly. Five to seven years is a very short timeline for paying off student loans. And it is, it, I will say that um, we've, personally we've it feels- a ton of horror stories in our email. Like yeah. you're you're doing good. Sorry, yes. I like keep interrupting yes. you. No, no, that's fair. Um, I would say that being debt free is certainly a fine way to be. Not to <laughs> not to invoke a rhyme by any means, but it is not going to change your life. Mm. I am I am essentially kind of debt free if you uh, remove the property that I own from the from the equation, mm. but it doesn't make me any happier as a person day to day um back of envelope makes, math laura and i definitely have over seven hundred thousand dollars in debt <laughs> there you go. So, our, there you go. thankfully our net worth is far higher than that but yeah sure um my net worth is not even that high um money is not a motivator for me as a person i value uh other things in life that are not cal that can't be calculated by numbers. Mm. Um, and so this idea of celebrating small wins doesn't have to be money related. They can be small wins in your job. Maybe you did something good in your job. Maybe uh, your child walked. Maybe they drew an awesome picture that's impressive. Maybe, I don't know, maybe your friend got a, a, a cool job or had a milestone in their life and you celebrate their small wins. I think if we're going on a more philosophical level here, because I feel like this is where this question is, which is why I love it so much, is that 
if money is the motivation for happiness, you are in a world of hurt. Yeah. Because there are, it, because it is just one metric and it is a vanity metric. That is the there best are, way to describe it. It really yeah, is there, a vanity metric. And it's there the are so one many, that only you care about. Literally, no one else cares about it. No one sees it. No one knows it. You don't wear it on your forehead like an episode of Black Mirror, right? The, the fascinating thing that I found is that as you move up this, like, I don't know, wealth ladder, you're solving these problems and you're just like mm -hmm. taking away these issues, these new ones that you didn't even know existed present themselves. And so I, yeah. maybe they're like, you know, better problems to solve, but you still mm -hmm. are going to have all these same style issues. They're just going to be right. different. Yeah, they'll be different. If there's anything that I've learned from moving out here into Colorado, don't do and I was it. talking about <laughs> is, is don't do it because I want to buy all the houses here because it's a booming market. Jim, you're welcome. Uh, but I, I've, I've actually slowed down a bit mm. out here um, because it's like, you know what? Cool. You know, I want, I want a lot of things in the world. I want to cross milestones, but also I just want to make, I want life to be easy and fun mm. at the same time. And I've only really experienced it out here because I feel like life is just generally slower out here. No one's like push, push, push New York, DC, Philadelphia. It's always about like hustling, get the next dollar, like that kind of mentality. And out here, it's really not. And it's refreshing. It's a different perspective. So if there's anything I've learned, it's like time is, is, is on your side. Uh, I believe that's a uh, Rolling Stones quote. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I think you're, you're, you're well on your way, you know, five, five to seven years is a good goal. Um, in five years, you know, your child will be older. You will, you will probably want to buy a bigger house and maybe not even have a rental property. And that's fine too. Your entire goal may change in five years and you'll have a lot more money and to make things easier in the short term, just automate your payments try to ignore them as much as possible and not in a bad way so, but yeah i i what there was like this say? great quote that i love and i kind of want to like end on it where it's like okay staying on the east coast makes you like hard and then you know so like you want to leave the east coast before you get to like hard and you want to you know go to the west coast but you want to stay there so long that you get like soft and and it's way more elegant um, and so I just Googled stay on East Coast makes you hard <laughs> and <laughs> the results are so bad. <laughs> don't Google that. All right. Don't Google <laughs> getting hard on the East Coast. <laughs> but really, it's not about a, a, a location. I think it's a mindset. Yeah, I, I don't know. Think said well. I, I hope. OK, I hope that I hope that helps in some way. Um Thank you, Elizabeth, for your question. Appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who sent in their question. Elizabeth, Jim, let's talk about Jason. Let's talk about Amanda. Let's talk about Kelly. Thank you for sending in your questions. We could always use more questions. We love doing these episodes, and we appreciate the responses mm. that we get. For sure. And we will do more of these, for sure. Okay. So if you missed anything, we'll have everything in the show notes. Don't you worry. Either you check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. And please tell your friends about us. 
point them to your favorite episodes, and hopefully they'll become a subscriber too. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about on future episodes of this show, please email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And while you email us, send in some catchphrases, people. Yeah, right. All the tools and resources that we normally mention on the show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. All right, that's it. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.